If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Happy Saturday, pet lovers. Today's show is a truly personal one for me. You see, my husband and I are currently waiting to be matched with an expectant mother for a domestic open infant adoption. It's a really exciting time for us. It's also a little bit of an anxious time, honestly. Um, And we're not really sure when the match will happen. That's part of the anxiety that's coming along because it literally could be any moment, or it could be weeks, or it could even be months away. We just don't know. It's a waiting game. But while we wait, we're getting our house ready. We're putting together our nursery, doing odds and ends projects around the house. You know, those things that will never get done once a baby joins us. And we're starting to prep our fur kids for the new tiny human's arrival. For those of you who don't know, we actually have two dogs and two cats in our family. And up until now, those fur balls have been the center of mommy and daddy's attention. So to help me and other expectant parents, I thought it would be really good to reach out to experts in the pet community, professional trainers of both dogs and cats, and to find out what do I need to do? How do we need to prepare? So I've my very first guest I'm very excited about is none other than Victoria Stillwell. She is one of the best known and most highly respected dog trainers in the world. You probably know her from her hit TV series, It's Me or the Dog, or from some other wonderful TV and web series that she, she's done, including her brand new series. It's a, a hit series called Guardians of the Night. It's really awesome. It tells stories of uh, police canines and their hand roll, handlers. Really great stuff. So really honored that she took the time out from her very honored, uh, very busy schedule and is joining us here today on Pet Lover Geek. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's just dig on in because obviously it's a little bit daunting what my husband and I have before us. And we have uh, a lot of fur kids that we need to prepare. So let's talk about the dogs. Generally speaking, what do we need to do? What's the best things that we should do to prepare dogs for a newborn joining the household? I think in your case, you are in a bit of a difficult position because you don't really know the time frame, but first start preparing now. And it's just little changes and little changes will mean a lot when the baby comes along um, and finally arrives. And so it's things like changing schedules up. So if your dogs are always on a a schedule and a a routine, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you've got to change it up a little bit so that because when baby does come, your routine is going to be all over the place right. until you all fall into a routine that is good for the whole family. So changing up routine is one thing. Second thing is getting used to you. And I'm not saying don't give attention to your dogs at all. Please, I'm not saying that. But I am saying I call it independence training and that the dogs get used to a little less of you. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean to say you're ignoring them. That doesn't mean to say that they can't sleep in the bed with you. That doesn't, but it just means a, a little bit less attention so that when baby comes, the dogs are used to it. And it's not just suddenly, oh my gosh, I'm not getting any attention whatsoever. And then you have all kinds of anxieties. Yeah, I think that's um, actually yeah. one of my biggest worries that their dogs are going to feel ignored because right now they're the center of everything. Of course they are. So, and, and all it is, it's a gradual, it's just a gradual thing. So, for example, 
you know, you you spend a little bit more time uh, um, out maybe. You spend a little bit more time, less time petting them. Just, just, just a touch. And so, and you, you can gradually do that so that the dogs, it, it's not so difficult for them when, when your attention is finally taken away. Mm-hmm. But also your husband as well. I mean, you share attention. So it probably means now that when, of course, having a baby is a two, two-way thing and your husband will be also helping out, but it, you will most likely be doing most of it. Yeah. And, and therefore, then now your husband has to take over the dog. So ensure the relationship with him is good. And, and I might sound a little strange, but somebody who's always been a primary carer, now the woman is not a primary carer anymore, and it's up to the husband to look after the dogs most of the time. That could cause problems. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually perfect that you bring that up because I, I, I have two dogs with two very, very different personalities. Um, and I, the one that I'm, I guess, most nervous about is our older dog. She's She's a Boston Terrier. Her name is Penny. She is 100% mama dog. Uh, in fact, when she's not with me, she really struggles with depression and anxiety, and she follows me everywhere. She's also 13 mm. years old, blind in one eye, and she's some days cranky old woman. So <laughs> I, I think preparing Penny is perhaps my biggest worry because I think that it's going to have the biggest impact on her. Any thoughts on ways that I can work specifically with Penny? I think she's going to need the most help and she's not going to understand it when this thing that comes into the house that makes lots of loud noises mm-hmm. and um, smells very strange comes into her home. That's going to be hard. Uh, you know, they used to, there used to be the school of thought that if your dog is anxious, then you shouldn't comfort it, then you should ignore it. And actually that just makes matters worse. You know, you can't, you can't reinforce an emotion do you see what I mean mm-hmm. so if she is anxious you, you you're also there to tell her hey it's it's okay but I think also this is the time when you know you're going to be doing different things so for example you walk the dogs with the stroller hmm. you um you they get used to you seeing you walking around holding a blanket in your arms and that just, you know, obviously there's no baby in there yet, but there will be. And so that's that's the sort of thing that you kind of you know, think of things that you might be doing when baby's there and sort of almost go uh, improvise. Mm-hmm. And I think if you do that enough, of course, there's going to be the addition of this weird smelling little person. Mm-hmm. But it the, the, the kind of your body movements are something that they've got used to now. And people actually don't put enough emphasis on the way their bodies change. Hmm. And it's nothing to do with having a baby or not and how you smell or not is not. It's, it's how your movements change because you're now carrying and you're sitting and you're being careful and everywhere you walk, you're being careful. And that in itself can be strange for dogs so it's rehearsing that almost. Mm-hmm. And I always get mums to be and dads to be rehearse potentially what it will be like when baby's there. And that, that means the dogs will start to get used to this different movement. Mm-hmm. 
That's, that's, I've never even thought about that before. It makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, I'm thinking back to when I used to be an actor in a former life. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can totally do this. This is, this is easy. That's, that's great. I, I want to talk to you about my younger, our younger dog. I mean, he is ridiculously sweet. He's cuddly. He loves kids. He's super duper gentle with them. But I'm a little nervous because he's, while he's done very well with toddlers and older kids, I don't, I don't think he's ever been around babies. And he has a huge noise phobia just this past week with, um, you know, 4th of July. It was really tough for him. So how best to prep him for all those new scary noises that he's going to be hearing? Well, there is can do, which is kind of a tried and tested method, is to have baby sounds that you play the baby sounds when at a very low level and you pair that with a just lovely chew time or massage or something like that with your dog, some low energy activity. And then as your dog gets used to these weird sounds, you gradually increase and increase and increase until it, it gets quite loud. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I'd say about that is that, yes, that can certainly prepare for that sort of noise, but the cry of your baby will be very different. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, as with everything, I always say, and especially with noise phobias, when there's a particular sound sensitive sensitivity, I always say you need to create a bolt hole, a safe zone for your dog, both of them, for your dogs. And that means, you know, where do they like to be best? Is that, do they have a crate? Do they have a room that they like to go? Mm-hmm. Do they have a, a bed or, or, or some area, even if it's a closet or something, that they can go to when there's fireworks, when there's loud noises and thunderstorm? You know, we have a lot of thunderstorm-phobic dogs. Yeah. So I'd say if you can create that kind of safe zone so your dog can take itself off. And that brings me to my next point is safety around babies. You could have the sweetest dog in the world, but – especially babies when you're when you're carrying them around not really an issue of course you know never leave the dog on uh, baby and dog unsupervised with each other at all at any time even to go to the bathroom but when that kid starts to toddle and crawl and walk mm-hmm. that's the time where you really need to be extremely aware and that's when if a dog if the toddler or the dog runs away and practices avoidance i always reward that I always say, I don't force the dog to come up and take a look at the kid or interact mm-hmm. with the child at all. But if the dog takes itself off of its own volition, I say, good, good girl, good boy, because they're practicing avoidance. And I'd rather have them do that than go the other way. Right. You don't want to put them in a situation where they're like, hey, mom, I'm really not comfortable here. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You really don't. Practicing avoidance is a big, I think a lot of people don't realize when the dogs turn their backs or the dogs walk away or something in a particular situation, that is actually the dog saying, I really don't want to have interaction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so, you know, that's why I always say that is the best way and uh, for dogs to cope. So I, 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 that's perfect. And I, I want to talk too about like, cause with Uller, the, the younger dog, um, he is a very cuddly, like he loves to be with everybody. He likes to be in the center of whatever we're doing. Uh, and that I, you know, that's going to kind of change. And though I, I think he, he is pretty good actually about taking care of himself when we're watching a football game or something. He's like, I'm going to leave. Cause it's, I don't like this. <laughs> so he's good about that, but I'm a little bit, uh, worried about, you know, 
as I mentioned before, about him feeling neglected. So once the baby's there, I mean, what kinds of things can a parent do to make sure that there isn't any jealousy uh, focused on this tiny human? I love the way that you use the word jealousy because a lot of people say, oh, dogs can't be jealous. And I always go, well, what are we, the only beings, species on this planet that can actually have that cognitive process? Dogs dogs are jealous. They do get jealous. And, um, you know, if you look at the definition of jealousy in the English dictionary, it's all about loss of an individual's attention. It's all about um, very awareness, about resource guarding. And so mm-hmm. absolutely can. And so all good things happen when baby's there. So, for example, let's say baby is in the room. Well, then dog gets petting from somebody else, if not you. Um, and if you're happy that you can pet dog and baby, at the, uh, whole baby and pet dog at the same time. Also good, great chew toys with nice foods stuffed inside them. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever baby's around, this is really good. Dog's getting good attention. And then a little less attention when baby's not there. Mm-hmm. And I've done that a lot with my moms, and it, it seems to work. And there's no real scientific data to support whether there is, that is actually right or not. But with with the moms that have done it, it seems to it seems to work because dog now sort of the, the baby is this kind of precursor, or the dog associates baby now with, oh, my gosh, great things happen to me whenever yeah. this being is here. So. That, that, I would say, is something that maybe you could work on so that there isn't like a, a jealousy. Now, you know, you once gave this dog so much attention and now you're not. But also, bear in mind, there is going to be, depending on how small baby is, and, and, and there will be a lot of more time than you think there will be. And I think this is what a lot of moms think. They're just going to be crazy and it's going to be crying all the time. But actually... There is a lot of time. And once it's fine to take your baby out, take the dog for walks. Mm-hmm. That is, again, a great bonding experience. Great for you for exercise, for your dogs for exercise, for great activity for baby and dogs and you to do together. Yeah, perfect. And, and our, especially Uller, loves to go take walks all the time. So what do you think... Um, and you just kind of mentioned this a little bit with new moms, assuming that they're going to have you know, no time or whatever. But what, what kind of are those big mistakes maybe that you see a pet parent making when that baby comes into the house? Pushing, just, just wanting a relationship fast and pressurizing the dog. Just don't do it. I mean, you know, there's that whole thing of bringing the blanket home when you know what your baby's going to be um, in your case or, or who it's going to be and mm-hmm. um, bring the blanket home with the baby scent on it. And fine. I think that's all fine because, of course, our dog lives in a different sensory world than we do. It's all about smell to them. So I think that's no harm in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd also say, you know, giving, I think it is, it's pressurizing. It's when Mums and dads sort of almost pull the dog over to say hello to the baby. And it's also worrying too much. Mm -hmm. I think when you take the worry out of it and realize that this has been done for hundreds, not thousands of years, you're going to be okay. um, And your dogs will be okay. Just be slow, be sensitive, be patient. Don't force them. And... As long as dogs now associate baby with fun things happening to dogs, mm-hmm. they should be fine. But do remember that routine. I think that is one of the major things, apart from the sound, is routine. 
And what dogs really can't is now you're getting up at night. Now, now it's all very strange. That's the thing that causes most of the Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when I'm, I'm, you know, we've got one dog who does sleep in our bedroom. Um, and so I'm sure for him, having uh, the baby's bassinet in the bedroom with him is going to be a little bit strange. <laughs> it will. And is the bassinet in there now? Uh, it's in the house, uh, but I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I guess we should go ahead and move it into the bedroom. So he's used to yes. being there. Yeah. Yes. And that movement, remember, just kind of, you know, as, yeah, great. You used to be an actor. Fantastic. Now you can now you can rehearse potentially what that's like. But, yes, put the bassinet in there. So now it becomes a fixed part of the furniture. That's it. It's just another piece of furniture. I love it. Anything else? Any other things that are out there? You're like, okay, dog parents need to be aware of this if they don't realize this. Um, I did, I did say it, but I can't repeat it enough. Everybody says, never my dog. My dog would never do that. And unfortunately, because dogs, for whatever reason, they're anxious or they see baby as a chew toy or, you know, uh, or that then, then, then things can happen. And Mm -hmm. that's why you just monitor all the time. And when I talk about interactions and you've got to, you know, you've got to be there to supervise your kid. I mean, active supervision, not just to have the baby in the bassinet, Mm -hmm. the dog's nearby and you're washing up or you're, you're doing the washing. No, it's when you are, when you're actively supervising your dog and your baby together, this is especially important. As I said, when your baby begins to crawl and begins to move and gets into everything. And then, then a system of baby gates, baby gates are fabulous because they don't, isolate the dog mm-hmm. and they don't isolate the child uh, but there's safer interaction mm-hmm. and so get used to having baby gates up now yeah they do it do. now yeah they actually do okay. now because we have to keep them away Great. from the cat food <laughs> so they're Great. used to the well, baby gate i love that and if you have to put a baby gate up in another area then then do that as well i can't stress yeah. to you enough how great those are fantastic good this is such great stuff i'm so happy that you joined me today victoria thank you so much Thank you very much. And make sure, folks, to visit Positively.com. It's Victoria's website. There are amazing things about positive training for dogs from Victoria and her team. It's a great, uh, great website, Positively.com. Stick around, my friends, because up next, we're going to chat with another expert about how to work with dogs after the child is mobile. Like Just like Victoria was talking about, we are going to talk about the dreaded toddler next on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. Today, we're talking about bringing a new human child into a fur kid's home. Now, for some folks, that might mean a baby, but for others, it might mean an older foster or adopted child. And it's no doubt that bringing pets and kids together can be a really wonderful thing. But it's super duper important that the adults in the household set it up for everyone to have success when that first meeting happens and then everything that happens after that. So I want to chat uh, today with an expert in helping kids and dogs and the entire family have a positive, wonderful relationship. So I've invited Justine Shermans. She's from thefamilydog.com to join us today. She's a certified dog trainer who specializes, as I mentioned, in training families and their dogs. Welcome back to Pet Lover Geek, Justine. Thank you so much for having me again, Lorian. Really excited about it. Um, now, in the previous segment, just moments ago, we did focus on the wee ones because that's the quote-unquote usual way that a child is introduced into a household of pets. But in my particular situation, though we hope to have a baby uh, coming in through adoption, it's possible that that child will be a little bit older, uh, potentially even toddling already between 12 and 18 months old. And there are certainly a lot of foster and adoptive families that have preschool-aged children and even young, uh, you know, uh, elementary age children joining their household. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. And um, I want to start with, you know, that setting them up for success. What kinds of preparations should you be doing for both the dog and the child? Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations, Lorraine. That's amazing news. Thank you. It's going to be fun. I know it is. It's fun and scary. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Those things always seem to go hand in hand, right? They do. They do. So what kind of preparations can you do? Well, you can actually do quite a lot before the dog and the child actually meet. Um, For the dog, I would suggest that the most important thing to do is work on proofing or strengthening real life skills that they're going to need to have when they live with a toddler. Um, There are some certain common problem areas that we often see. Um, One of them is dogs being touched. 
So um, definitely practice that with your own dog at home. And that means touching all parts of the body um, and maybe even a little rougher than you typically would do. And I'm not suggesting that kids should be rough, but they should be used to being pet in any which way. Even when they're out on the street, it's great for them to just be able to, um, to, to deal with that and even enjoy it. So I always like to pair treating, um, pair petting with treating as well so that they always have a positive connection. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing where you can find an issue happening is around resource guarding. So that means the dog has something that they really, really want and they don't really want to give it up. And that can be a problem when you have a toddler in the house or a young child in the house that just goes around taking things because they don't really understand the rules. So that's a great thing to practice with your dog too is trading toys. So if they have something in their mouth, have a nice cookie and trade with them and make sure that they're always okay giving up things that they have. And again, it's got to be positive Um, and even touching them when they have something as well. Um, The third thing is being on the furniture. This is a really common issue um, where kids can be um, a little bit in danger if the dog is not comfortable. Dogs that are sitting on couches and sitting on beds are much more likely to be a little bit more snippy um, if the kid comes down and sits next to them. So it might be time to reassess and change the rules, I would suggest. Teach your dog not maybe to sit on the couch or the bed, but make them a really great comfy place for them on the floor. Um, because you can always go back if you feel really comfortable. And as the kid and the dog get their, this great relationship together, you can always slacken the rules. It's so much easier to do that than to tighten them. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, I guess if you, if you really, if you see any issues like a little growl or something that you don't really like, I would say call in a certified trainer. Um, and if you don't see anything that, you know, is causing you any concern, then it's still a great idea to take your dog maybe back to a training class and brush up on their skills. Cause you know, you want to have a good relationship with them and you want them to respond to you quickly. Cause sometimes these things happen like in a, in a flash of an eye and you want to be able to say to your dog, Hey, come over here or sit down or lie down or whatever. And you want them to respond to you quickly. So training classes are always great for a refresher. Well, what do you do for the child too, because I mean like the dog stuff, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got, I can do all of this. This is all totally doable, <laughs> but, but the kid stuff, but what do I do with the kids? What do I do yeah. with the kid? I mean, it'll be a brand new relationship for me or for any yeah. other foster or adoptive family coming in. So you've already got, I mean, the cards are sort somewhat stacked to kids too, as far as like all these different things going on. I know. Uh, and they're also going to be coming from a sense of loss because let's face it, that they're, they're leaving whatever situation they were, they're leaving. It's what they've known. So they're coming into this brand new situation. What, what can I do to help that transition for the child? Yeah, that's a great question. I think really, and it, I want to keep this as simple as possible. It really isn't that complicated. You really just want to teach the child to be gentle and respectful. And I know that sounds simple, but obviously that that involves every situation in life. So then that's where it becomes a bit more complex. Um, but you could start with, if you don't have, have the dog straight away and you're doing this before they actually get to meet the dog, Practice with stuffed animals. Teach them how to pet a dog gently. Hmm. Teach them the right areas to pet the dog. We always suggest that on the shoulder or on the back, but never on the head. Dogs don't really appreciate being pet on the head for the most part. It's not the safest place. So a parent can like take their hand and guide their hand and show them nice, like slow, gentle petting with one hand. We always suggest one hand rather than two because when kids grab with two hands, it can make the dog feel trapped like they don't have any choice and you always want to give the dog a choice to be able to get up and walk away if they're not having a good time. Mm -hmm. So yes, gentle and respectful. It's really pretty straightforward. 
And and what what kinds of things? So when that first meeting is is going to happen, I mean, what do you? How do we should we set the stage for that first meeting? I think that you have to have. I mean, a couple of pairs of hands on deck would be really great. You want to have somebody maybe working with the dog and another person working with the child as well, so that they can make either they can come closer together and do something that they both enjoy. I would think if you have a dog that likes to go for walks, then it might be a really great idea to take the toddler out with you and go on a walk together. Or you might want to, if they really like to play fetch, maybe you take the dog out into the backyard and take a ball with you and have this. See if you can get the toddler to pretend throw the ball with you. You know, you, you're going to be doing most of the throwing. But this right. sets really, yeah, exactly. You can't expect like a Derek Jeter. Or, no, he's not a pitcher. <laughs> I'm showing my English, my bad English. Uh, it's all good. Baseball. Yeah, a great pitching arm on an 18-month-old is not going to happen. So, uh, right. yeah, you might do a little bit of the throwing, but something that the dog really enjoys. And what about as far as, uh, you know, I know that treats are such a big deal as far as keeping that a positive relationship. What kinds of things can I do to help the child before she even or he even meets the dog, like teach them how to treat a dog so that we're not in a dangerous situation there? Do you mean treat as in give a treat? Like giving a treat, like giving a cookie or whatever. Yeah, I think um, especially with very young children, <laughs> it's quite funny actually when we do these presentations in schools, some of, some of the preschoolers really don't even like to touch treats, like it's just disgusting to them. And when we work, they're like, this is nasty, don't give it to me. Um, so I would suggest a treat that's a little harder that they don't, they're not grossed out at. Some children don't care at all, but some really are you know, a little bit more sensitive about that. But I would always suggest either having an open hand, um, like you would feed a horse. If anybody knows about horses, you keep your hand nice and open and flat and the dog can just kind of lick it off the palm of your hand or for kids who are a little younger or a little more, a little bit more nervous just to toss the treat on the floor mm-hmm. they know it came from the child they can eat it off the floor and it really is a, a nice way especially also if the dog's a little bit nervous it means that they don't have to come into close proximity with the child to get the treat if that makes sense mm-hmm. absolutely what do you think are the most common mistakes that that you see with parents of preschoolers and and dogs um Leaving them alone together Mm. is never a good idea. Um, And I'm just going to say this up front. When you have a young child and a dog in your house, it can be really tiring. It's just exhausting, especially when you're right at the beginning of this process. If you're, you know, a new mother or a new um, dog parent, it's so tiring. Um, But you really have to try to go that extra step. Even if you're just going to the bathroom, you're like, oh, my gosh, if I really got to put the dog in the crate again. Yes, you do. If that's really what it takes to keep them apart for a second, that's what you need to do. Um, another thing that really um, is, a, is a big mistake is not actively supervising. So often, I mean, if you read any book on kids and dogs, you're going to see the word supervision like emblazoned across the page, you know, very often. But that doesn't mean just sitting in the room on your phone. Right. We are all the same. We're all addicted to our phones and our phones are attached to us all the time, whether it's working on Facebook, whatever we're doing. But I find the easiest way to think about this is not supervising, but teaching. So you're literally teaching the dog how to behave around the child and the child how to behave around the dog all the time. You're showing them, you're reminding them, you're playing with them, and you're teaching them through all of these little scenarios. And as I said, if you can't do it, if you're just too tired, you just have to separate them. Yeah. I think what my biggest concern, and I mentioned this in the last segment, is both of my dogs um, are mommy's dogs. You know, they they are 
just attached to me, like even right now, like just like right next to mommy. They follow me around everywhere. So I feel like this is going to be a big shock to their system. It could, but that's another thing that you could maybe do to prepare as well is to give them some more alone time. I mean, toss out their food bowls and go and invest in some um, uh, food toys that they can, did I say food toys? Food, yes, you want to buy food toys, toss out the food bowls. So basically stuff their breakfast and their dinner into a food toy and let them go and work at that for like 20, 30 minutes away from you. Ignore them for a while. Let them know what it feels like to entertain themselves because when the child arrives, you don't really want the child to be the source of this negativity. Mm -mm. You want that to be set up beforehand if possible. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's say that um, we've come in, we've established a good initial meeting and the relationships, you know, seems to be good. But maybe there's something that, and there's one dog in particular in my house that I'm worried about. Um, There's something that looks like it might be going awry. You maybe feel that, see that resentment maybe building up. What, What kinds of things can I do to mitigate that type of situation? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, one of the things I think it's really important to do, um, and this is maybe even before the big problem happens, is that you really have to know um, what you should, you need to brush up on the rules, the rules of what dogs think is okay, what they like and what they don't like that kids do. So we have a free website that has a ton of free videos that walks you through um, the things that dogs like and, and the things that dogs don't like. And you want to make sure that your kid is always doing the stuff that dogs like. They always get to play good cop. Um, and then you really need to figure out dog reading dog body language because parents can often tell if a child is happy or if they're about to you know burst into tears because we're human and we can read those signals really well but often they don't know it when they when it comes to the even their own dogs Mm -hmm. so learn the dog body language signals and then you should be able to see problems coming way in advance I mean you've probably heard this Lauren too that you know there's a lot of complaints about oh dogs just bit out of the blue um often Almost always, I would say, as a dog trainer, this does not come out of the blue. Yeah. If you know how to read the signals, you can see the body stiffening or some, um, you know, their eyes are tense, their mouth is tense, their tail's wagging, but it's not wagging in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. there's, we have a great video on there that spells all of that out for you. So that's stopthe77.com. Um, tons of free resources there so that's what I would go back to I would go back to basics make sure they're never alone together overdo the positive connections between the kid and the dog and make sure that they're always short managed amazing interactions where the child is the rock star you know in the situation yeah Um, and I I think I think what I I, a lot of times when you say, oh, the dog just bit out of the blue, and then I think of all those pictures that are all over Facebook and social media of kids right. riding dogs like they're horses or, right. you know, pulling on their ears to come in for a kiss. I'm like, what do you mean the dog bit out of the blue? Shocker. <laughs> yes. But do you know what? That's actually how Stop the 77 um, was created because um, we were looking at all these photographs and we were like, you know what? It's to us as dog trainers, it's really clear that this dog is unhappy. But if you look at the child's face, they look happy, right? Yeah. Often you'll see the kids smiling, but the dog looks miserable. And so we wanted to create um, a way of being able to explain to parents, you know, what 
what the problem is. There's a real communication issue here. So we took actually a bunch of those stock images. They're all stock images in one of our videos mm -hmm. um, just to show a story through the eyes of a child and then the same story through the eyes of a dog. And it explains the miscommunication there that it's not out of the blue at all. This is stuff could be ramping up over time. Mm -hmm. So if you can see the small signs, then you can start to see, um, you know, see the clues well before anything tricky happens. And I would say if anything is happening that you make your hackles go up a little bit or is a bit of a red flag, call a certified trainer who has a ton of experience in this area because it's not worth waiting. It's something you want to get a jump on straight away. Awesome. Good stuff. So I want to, before we end here, I want to make sure that you get a chance to tell us about some of the tools that you recommend for parents, some of the really good things to invest in. Um, well, without money at the beginning, I would invest in a space for your dog to be away, a safe, quiet place away from little feet, little hands and everything else. So that's number one, cheap, free. It could be a gated area, a crate, um, a little bathroom, anywhere where they can go off by themselves. And then secondly, we talked about this a little bit before, but food toys, anything that you can stuff food into that dogs can take a while to get the food out of. Um, because this will keep them entertained for a while and give you some time to yourself, which is going to be crucial, I promise you. Um, <laughs> bones too. You can get some bones or bully sticks or anything that they can chew on. And then for kids and dogs to play together, my very favorite um, toy is a flirt stick, which looks like a little fishing pole with a toy on the end. And this is great for kids to kind of keep away from the dog. Um, but be able to play with them at the same time. So you can find that um, online and usually in your pet store and some of the pet stores. But there's also great training race resources out there as well. So if you're a person that has dogs already and you're going to introduce a baby or a toddler or you're fostering a young child under the age of three, you really want to check out our um, our friends over at familypaws.com. They have some great information over there. And then for everybody else who has kids who are age between four and 10 years old, you can come to our website, thefamilydog.com, and we have a special training program, an online training program, so you can do it in your own time, because goodness knows, you need to fit it around your new schedule. Um, <laughs> and there's a program for parents with everything they need to, do, to know, a program for dogs to teach them everything they need to know, and then there's a special agent training center for kids, which is just so much fun. They don't, kids don't even really know they're learning. It's just all videos and games and songs. And so we wanted to offer um, a special promotion to the Pet Love Geek um, audience. So instead of it being $199, we want to offer it to you guys for just $99 until the end of June. Wow. So did you? Yay. Maybe the end of July because it's just July, right? That's exactly what I meant. Hello. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> Listen, I didn't tell you you won't have time for coffee. <laughs> awesome. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. So all you have to do is type in the code PETLOVEGEEK in the little box and uh, you get a discount. Fantastic. That is really exciting, Justine. Thank you so much. So Justine uh, uh, from the thefamilydog.com, thank you so much for joining us today. You're so welcome. I'm going off to get my caffeine now, get my head on straight. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Stick around, pet lovers, because in just a minute, we're going to talk about cats. Yes, there are cats also in my house, and we are going to get prepared for them as well. That's what's coming up next on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Tune in every week for Sex Out Loud. Host Tristan Taramino will discuss everything from sexual pleasure to sexual politics. Get an insider's perspective from leaders in the adult film industry, the LGBT community, and the sex-positive world. From kink to non-monogamy, nothing is off-limits. Plus, you can call in to join the conversation. Sex Out Loud airs every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric EZ Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Pet Lover Geek. Today we're talking about fur babies and human babies. Now we've talked a lot about dogs because, well, at least in our home, their overtly social nature and the fact that they are with us physically all the time means that they're probably going to have the most potential interaction with the new tiny human. But we also, you remember, have two cats in our home who also dearly love us and love to love on us. So I know this baby is going to rock their world. And I want to make sure I've done what I can as their mama to make sure that 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 transition is as nice as possible for them. So I've invited Marcy Koski from FelineBehaviorSolutions.com back on the show because she is an expert in all things cats. So welcome to the show, Marcy. Hi, I'm so happy to be here again. I'm excited to have you here because I know a lot of people, the first thing they say is, oh, what are you going to do about the dogs? And and so dogs, I think a lot of people have a lot of information about how to do with babies and dogs and toddlers with dogs and everything that it's very front of mind, but I don't think we talk as much about it, cats. So where do you start? I mean, with the dogs, we have obvious training sessions that they're used to. Our dogs are used to doing that all the time. Our cats are much more independent. How do we actively prepare them for tiny human invasion? Right. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do um, with the personality of your cat. And some cats are way more easygoing than others. Um, You know, there are cats that are just completely mellow. Any new thing is just, eh, whatever, I'm fine with that. You know, ignore, you know, an earthquake that's happening or, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some cats don't care about the 4th of July. <laughs> right. But then we have other um, more sensitive cats that are very uh, 
tuned into change and new things can freak them out. Yeah, and I think that's where our two cats are going to lie, by the way. Neither of our yeah. cats are very chill. <laughs> right. So cats can react to fear in a couple of different ways. And one of them is by hiding um, or trying to escape whatever the new stimulus is. Um, and then the other way that a cat can react is through defensive aggression. And we definitely don't want that, um, especially when it comes to a new baby. But we also don't want your cat to be fearful either and spend all of its time hiding. So the best thing to do with cats in general is plan ahead. And this is all about um, uh, prepping before the baby comes because you want to err on the safe side. Um, Even if your cat is pretty mellow, you don't really know how it's going to react to a new tiny bald, naked human in your home. One that <laughs> I mean, screams all a lot and smells funny. <laughs> right. And, all you know, you know, your cat is basically going, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so um, preparation is key. So the first thing I always recommend is to try to predict what changes are going to happen in your household, besides the obvious of having a new human in your home. Um But what changes are going to happen in terms of your schedule? What is going to happen in terms of new furniture or setup? And and I know you said that your your room configuration has changed in terms of, well, the cats used to go to the litter box here, but now they're not going to be in this room. so, and, 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 you know, whatever changes are going to take place in your home, try to get that happen happening um, before the baby comes. So, if you have a schedule, you go, oh, okay, I, I think that um, I'm going to be in the house during this part of the day and then out of the house that part of the day. You want to start doing that ahead of time so your cat just kind of knows the schedule. Um, cats do really well on a schedule and you want to give them as much security as possible. Um, so when you bring in new furniture, do that gradually and expose them to the furniture. You can actually take um, scent from your cat. So the familiar scent that cats use to mark things is the scent that's on their cheek, the facial pheromones. So when they wrap up against stuff, they're marking their their territory hmm. or things as theirs. So you can take cheek rubbings using a clean sock or something and then rub that on new furniture. They've already done that with the bassinet though. I've seen both of them running up against the bassinet like that. You know, if you let them do that, that'll make them feel a little bit more comfortable around the new stuff. But if they're scared of the new stuff, then you can take their cheek rubbings and Mm -hmm. and put them where their, their cat faces would line up. Um, A couple of other things you want to start doing before the baby arrives is familiarize your cats to the sounds, smells, and sight of a small, tiny human being that is doesn't act like you guys do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So things you can do to um, expose your cats to baby sounds is you can um, make recordings of a friend's baby crying or laughing or cooing, whatever baby sounds they make. Or you can download sounds from the internet for free. Um, and you can play those to your cat 
at random times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing to remember is whenever you pair um, some sort of visual scent or um, auditory um, introduction, you want to always give your cat a treat. So you're basically using positive reinforcement um, and conditioning your cat to associate those baby sounds, smells, and sights with good things. Yeah, so, so that's like a lot like the dogs, right? So when, yes. we're, when, we're, when we're basically, you know, let's rock out with some baby screaming, everybody's going to be getting treats. And right. the husband and I are probably have a glass of wine in our hand to prepare us as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's positive reinforcement for you. That's it's exactly okay. right. <laughs> Wait, and I want to ask you something too, because, okay, so you mentioned, because you and I had talked offline about the fact that, you know, we've set up the nursery, which opens up next to our bedroom. It used to be where the cat's litter box was. So yeah. we, about a month ago, actually moved the cat's litter box to a totally different place in the house. And in fact, set it up separately with a ba- baby gate so that even the dogs understand understand this is the cat's safe space because yeah. they didn't ever go in the other room anyway but now okay. the cats are still coming back up to that room that's right next to our thing and they're basically like yo where's my stuff um okay. even though it's been a month so I'm, i guess i'm a little bit worried about like i don't want them to go exploring and okay walking all over the baby stuff Okay, so this is where you need to make some decisions. Do you want to keep your cats out of that room completely? Or um, do you want to allow them access like when you're in that room? Mm -hmm. I think that I think that when cats are um, excluded from an area, in general, that is like, I want to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fear of missing out. <laughs> right, exactly. What's going on in there? I yeah. obviously deserve to be in there too. Um, so one of and it's good that you, you're doing this early because the cats can go in there and the novelty will wear off mm-hmm. and you won't have to worry about them constantly trying to get into the baby's room after the baby comes. Yeah. Um, but you can do certain things to deter your cat from jumping up on like the bassinet or the um, changing table or, you know, the dresser, things like that. And that would be, um, okay, so one of the, one thing I really love is the, uh, I think it's called Glad. It's from Glad. It's like press on seal, press, press and mm-hmm. seal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. The press and seal wrap. And it has a slightly sticky Right. side to it you lay that down cats hate that stuff so <laughs> <laughs> there's also sticky paws which is double-sided tape and it's very thin but if you're just trying to um, put some things down to keep your cats off of and, and, and train them to stay out of certain places glad present seal wrap oh it's great stuff yeah well, the, all, my uh, only thing there is that taz loves to chew on plastic so I'm like, uh, I don't know that one. But somebody suggested putting like uh, a piece of cardboard on top of something. And if they jump up on and it slides out from underneath them, they're going to feel unstable up there. I mean, that seems a little bit dangerous, but is that a good thing to do? See, cats love cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that for for cats. Um, you can, okay, so there's sticky paws or the press and seal wrap. There's also um, aluminum foil. And of course, you can take these things away when the baby comes because sure. your cat will probably be, you know, trained to, to stay off those things. Yeah. Um, you don't want your uh, cat to go into the crib. You can put empty soda cans in there or, right. um, again, a sheet of press and seal wrap or, um, 
you know, another thing you can use is scent deterrents. So they don't really like the the scent of citrus, mint, cinnamon, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can use uh, scented candles or, um, you know, room fresheners that have that spray. I don't advise using essential oils because that can be very dangerous Mm -hmm. for cats. Um, But you can definitely use scent deterrents to keep them out of that room. They're just going to be like, I'm not crazy about this place. Yeah, I Um, wonder, I I mean, I wonder if baby smell is going to be something that they're like, ooh, that's ambrosia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing I would advise you to do is start wearing baby powder and Mm. baby lotion because that will get them used to kind of that familiar smell of a baby. Mm. Um, And, you know, any of the the baby products that you're going to have out, Mm -hmm. expose them to that scent occasionally. And again, pair it with a treat Mm -hmm. so they don't get freaked out by a foreign smell. I want to ask about, okay, so prepping is, is, is hugely important, obviously. I guess the other thing that I'm kind of worried about is I want our cats to obviously associate being around baby with good things. I think both of our dogs are going to be like, oh, my God, what is this thing? Our cats, however, are really shy around new things. They both hide uh, until a person has been around for numerous times. Sometimes we have friends that don't believe that we actually have two cats. Um, I hear you. I hear you. My uh, brother still thinks I don't have five cats. He thinks I only have one cat. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, how do I – I don't want to force a meeting. Obviously, don't want to force a meeting with uh, with anybody. But how do I facilitate an initial positive meeting between kitty and baby? Okay. Here's one thing you can do. Before your baby comes, have a friend over who has a baby. Mm. And I mean, I'm not saying take your cat and put its face up to the baby. That's not good. That's that's really not good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Or like coat the baby in cat treats. That's yeah. also not good. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Um, but you can bring a, a, a baby over from a friend who has a baby. And that is, again, visual exposure. Your cat can keep its distance if if they want to keep their distance they can keep their distance you can be pumping treats out there mm-hmm. um and then your friend leaves and the baby goes with it and then your cat is like oh okay that was not so bad so by the time your baby comes over and stays your cats have already had exposure to babies mm. um and in terms of your cats meeting your actual baby take it slow and always 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 supervise um I would not let your baby get too uh, too close to the cats initially. Um, I would love to, um, if it were me, I would have, and of course you have two people there, so one person could be holding the baby and then the other um, person could be, um, you know, guiding your cats closer to the baby with treats or a toy, mm-hmm. um, something positive. And it may take some time for your cats to really adjust to a small human being around, but mm-hmm. they'll get there. They'll yeah. get there. Well, and I think, you know, one of them in particular loves being petted like more than anything. So as soon as she yeah. figures out that, oh, baby touches me and, you know, th- I think she's going to be heavy. The other one, we may never have a relationship, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so can you, real quick, we don't have a lot of time, but, but can you tell me like, are there any dangers or cautions that you would give a new 
baby parents to be aware of around cats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, again, supervision is key. Um, and that means not only supervising your cat when it approaches the baby, but also how your baby um, approaches your cat. So things that can um, make cats scared and perhaps even aggressive because they're being defensive is, you know, a baby maybe grabbing the tail or grabbing fur. Um, so you want to be very careful that your baby, who doesn't really have a lot of control when they're mm-hmm. first in the house, but they grow up knowing how to um, act around the, the cat. Obviously, you're not going to be able to teach them that right from right from Beginning, day right. one, but <laughs> but it's you just supervision is going to be key on both sides. Right. So and, and then there's a couple of myths that are out there like, you know, oh, babies get yeah. smothered by tats. I mean, and I was like, really? But what's, yeah, what's, that's what's the truth there? <laughs> that's false. Basically, um, I think it, that's an old wives tale. And cats actually, you know, some cats do like sleeping with babies in their cribs. And that is because babies are very warm. Mm-hmm. Um, they smell good. Um, sometimes they smell like food or like milk. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice, warm, confined space that cats would like to hang out in. And mm-hmm. so when you see your cat, if you're the type of person who's okay with your cat hanging out in the crib, a approaching the crib or wanting to take a nap with the baby, your cat is not doing that to smother your baby. Um, I personally wouldn't want my cat in the crib just because there are things like allergies or acc- accidents can happen, mm-hmm. you know, your kid could get scratched or something like that. Um, right. Or before they can move their face, they might right. actually have an issue like moving their head away from exactly. getting breathing and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Exactly. exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on to helping our family prepare. I appreciate it, Marcy, so much. My pleasure. I, I wish you guys all the, the luck in the world. And I know you. you'll have great luck. Thank you. We're excited. We're terrified and excited at the same time. So it'll be wonderful. I want to also thank Victoria Stillwell and Justine Sherman's from coming on uh, to help us as well. Everybody gave such amazing advice. I, I personally am feeling loads better and more prepared than I was an hour ago. Make sure to tune into next week's show when we explore the world of treats. There are so many new delicacies out there for our fur kids to munch on. So we're going to explore some of my favorites. That's what's going to happen next Saturday on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host, Lori and Clemens, for another edition next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.